Chapter Six of His First and Last Appearance by Francis J. Finn, S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Six, in which Isabel announces her resolution and Professor Himmelstein creates a scene. On a morning in December, a carriage came to a stop in front of the tenement. Miss Devereux, having got out first herself, assisted Marie, Philip, and Charlie to alight. The children, although they were rosier of complexion than when they left their tenement lodgings in the latter part of November, were quiet and sad-faced. The red eyes and swollen cheeks showed that they had been crying. As they turned their steps towards the entrance of their old home, Isabel came hurrying down the staircase to meet them. "'My dear Marie, my dear Philip, my poor little Charlie,' she said, embracing them tenderly. "'Isabel, I want to see Mama. I want to kiss her good-bye, sobbed Marie. She isn't dead, Philip exclaimed. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Is she really dead, Isabel? Yes, dear, answered Isabel, while Charlie broke into a low wail. Poor mother is dead, and you cannot see her, Marie, because she was buried, and the doctor did not wish any of you to come home before the burial. But she spoke often of all of you, and sent you ever so much love. Just before she died, she mentioned your names. And she died peaceful and happy, with all the sacraments of the church. Now, my dears, do not cry. Marie and Philip joined Charlie in weeping afresh. Come, Isabel, whispered Miss Devereux. It will pass in a few minutes. Let us bring the dear little orphans to your rooms. They behave very nicely these three weeks, and the people they stayed with are charmed with them. Miss Devereux took Charlie in her arms, and Isabel, placing herself between Philip and Marie, put a protecting arm around each, and led them up the stairs into the front room. "'Why?' cried Philip, looking around. "'What happened to our room? Everything's so changed.' "'I have been packing up, my dears. We are getting ready to go away in a few days.' "'Go away!' gasped Philip. "'Go where?' Marie inquired. "'My dears, we are going to Milwaukee.' Philip stared. Marie looked puzzled. "'Why, that's ever so far away,' objected the little girl. "'And we—we we don't know any people there, do we?' "'Are we going to stay there?' put in Philip before Isabel could answer Marie's question. "'We shall stay there for a while, at least, Philip.' "'And then we shall come back to New York, shan't we?' "'I don't know, Philip.' All I know at present is that we're going to Milwaukee, but it is a very beautiful city, and I will take you around to see everything, and we shall travel through a fine country on the way there, and see Chicago, and all sorts of sights. Oh, it's not so bad, said Philip, becoming suddenly comforted. Perhaps you may like it better than New York, added Marie, brightening. The two children fell to talking with each other, while Charlie, who had taken no apparent interest in the conversation, was busying himself, looking up certain of his pet possessions. "'But, Isabel, are you serious?' asked Miss Devereux. "'Yes, Miss Devereux, I am. Sit down,' Isabel continued. "'You have been so good and kind to my mother, and the children and myself, that I think it but right you should know our plans.' "'Thank you, Isabel.' You know what a hearty interest I take in anything that concerns you and yours. Very well. Philip and Marie, come here, my dears. I want you both to listen, too. The children ceased their chattering and drew near. 
When Mother took a change for the worse, you remember, Miss Devereux, you called me in. She knew me, and at once told me that she wanted a priest. I hurried away and caught Father Reed, just as he was leaving the parochial residence. He came with me at once, without delaying, to return for the Blessed Sacrament. He began hearing Mother's confession, but noticing that she was sinking fast, and knowing that she wanted to tell me something that she considered to be of the greatest importance, he got through as quickly as possible, and sent me in to get her last words, while he went back for the holy oils. When I came in I could see on her face, and it was such a beautiful face after confession, my dears, that she had something on her mind which she was burning to tell me. She tried to talk, but it was very hard for her. She said, Go to Milwaukee, and then a fit of coughing came upon her. She recovered sufficiently to utter the sacred names, and after that she became delirious, then unconscious, and so she died. Is Mama really dead? persisted Philip. I can't believe it. I seem to see her sitting here now, the way she used to sit so often, with her face in her hands, and all bowed down. But why should you go to Milwaukee? objected Miss Devereux. It is expensive and is sure to be a wild goose chase. That's what everyone says, answered Isabel. Even the superioress of the academy advises me to remain. Indeed, she is very, very kind. She has more music pupils at the school just now than the sister can attend to, and she has offered me a position that would provide for us all. But if you had seen my mother's face and heard her words, Miss Devereux, you would think twice before slighting so solemn a command. It was Mother's last wish, and she was so eager about it. Are you sure that you are acting prudently? Miss Devereux went on. As the world regards matters, no. Indeed, it seems foolish. When we get to Milwaukee, we shall have very little money left. But what will you do when you get there? Have you any friends or acquaintances? Not one. We are utter strangers there. And perhaps, continued the nurse, your mother was raving when she spoke. Did you think of that? Her fever was very high. Yes, I have thought of that, too. Sometimes I have been inclined to believe that she was. You see, I feel quite sure that my mother has no acquaintances in that part of the world. As far as I can remember, she never even spoke of Milwaukee before. I have always thought that she had no friends in the West. And yet, in spite of all this, I cannot bring myself to believe that she was out of her mind when she spoke. And are you going to give up in a short position and risk everything in the world on such an uncertainty as that? Yes, Miss Devereux. I prayed and consulted, and my mind is made up. After all, I may find a place in Milwaukee. I can work, too, observed Philip. I can sell papers. And I'll take care of Charlie and keep house, put in Marie. And if we get a house with a doorknob, I'll open it to the people that ring the bell said Charlie proudly. The little ones had already worked themselves up to a pitch of glorious excitement. Charlie, after speaking, startled a chair and began to play choo-choo. In spirit, he was already speeding away towards the cream city. Philip and Marie were flushed with joy. Think of it, to get away from the big city and travel through field and forest, village and countryside, away out to the far west, to lands and peoples and places they had never dreamed of seeing and then to begin life anew. It was like the children in the stories who went away from home to seek their fortunes. Oh, it was glorious! 
but the practical Miss Devereux failed to see the romance of the situation. She had been a breadwinner long enough to know that it is worth, while looking many a time before leaping once. You say, she went on, that you have consulted, but just a while ago you said that everyone was against it. I was speaking roughly, said Isabel with a faint smile. All the kind people in the house, and they have been so good to me, God bless them, are opposed to it. Then the superiors of the academy and my teacher there are set against it too. They say that God has put me in charge of these little ones, and that it is my first duty to look out for them. Exactly, Isabel, and really I fail to see how you can get over that. Miss Devereux, don't you know the fourth commandment? Well, I believe I do, she answered with a smile. Honor thy father and mother, put in Marie. Very well. I don't think I will abandon those who are obedient to their parents. If ever I received a command in my life, it was when my mother said, Go to Milwaukee. For the rest I trust in God's good providence. But did you ask your confessor about it? Of course. And he told me to pray and then follow my own lights and that is exactly what I am doing. Isabel, you are so obstinate. Perhaps I am, answered the girl with her gentle smile, but of one thing I am sure, and that is that I am carrying out my mother's last wish. Come in, she went on in answer to a knock from without. The door opened and a girl of about fourteen entered with a bunch of roses in her hand. Why, Sally, cried Marie. Hello, Sal said Philip, while Charlie ran over and reached for the flowers. Sally Rogers was blushing under the gaze of Miss Devereux. "'If you please, Miss Isabel,' she said, "'my mother sends her kindly regards, and she sends you these flowers.' "'Thank you, Sally,' said Isabel, taking the roses and kissing the girl's cheek. "'Your mother is too kind. What beautiful roses! How nice it is to live with people who are so kind and thoughtful!' Miss Devereux, this is Sally Rogers, and she's a dear little friend of mine. Sally blushed again and became extremely self-conscious as she shook hands. Well, good-bye, she said. Miss Isabel, she whispered as she passed her, I went to communion for your mother twice, and I say my beads for her every day. God bless you, dear, said Isabel, holding the girl's hand and going with her to the door. I shall never forget your kindness and your mother's. What a modest child, observed Miss Devereux as Isabel closed the door. Modest, repeated Isabel. She is an angel. She's been raised here, and some of the tenants have been pretty wicked. But the worst of them take off their hats when they see that little girl, and hush their talk and look ashamed, though her mother is a washerwoman, and the girl can hardly write her name. I saw in one of Dr. Egan's books a story about lilies and tenements, lilies among thorns. She's one, and not the only one, either. God be thanked for it. If Dr. Egan knew her, he'd write another story. I wish Dr. Egan knew you, reflected Miss Devereux. In speaking of that other, you have described yourself. A shuffling step was heard outside. Hurrah! cried Philip. Here comes Professor Himmelstein. And followed by Marie and Charlie, he rushed from the door. There was a great to-do outside, silvery laughter, shrill pipings, the deep, full voice of the Herr Professor, alternating between German and broken English, 
and the scuffling and pushing which gave the effect of the moving of a piano. Good day, cried the professor, beaming in at the doorway. The professor, accompanied by his three little friends, presented a grotesque yet pretty tableau to the young ladies within. Charlie, mounted on the professor's shoulders, had just succeeded in pushing down that bewildered and delighted gentleman's hat over his eyes. Philip was in his arms, while Marie was rummaging in the pockets of his coat. Coming forward, Isabel restored order, and relieving the professor of his hat and coat, conducted him to his favorite chair, where he at once proceeded to deal out candy and trinkets to the little ones about his knee. Isabel, he began when he had satisfied the children, I bring you good news. Indeed? Yes, you need not worry over what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Already it is provided. I beg your pardon? There is your fortune, said the professor, rising from his chair and pointing dramatically at Philip. Really, Herr Professor, said Isabel, I don't quite follow. It's the voice, continued the professor, with a world-embracing gesture and a smile of pure happiness. The voice? So, that boy is the greatest soprano in New York. Indeed, Herr Professor, thanks to you he has a lovely voice. Lovely, it is not the word, it is the heaven message, and where they hear it the people of the city will crazy go. The people of New York hear it? What are you driving at? He will give concerts, he will sing, and the people will come, and you will get the money, thousands and thousands of dollars. The old man's eyes were dancing as he spoke. You mean, then, that you intend to make a sort of infant phenomenon of him? Make? Dono un blitzen. No, not make. Already he is an infant phenomenon. Professor, said Isabel, nerving herself for a scene, please sit down. The subject of this discussion was eating candy, and, in common with Marie and Charlie, paying little attention to the scene passing under his eyes. Miss Devereux tried to look indifferent, but she was intensely interested. Now, Professor, continued Isabel, as the musician seated himself, tense and eager, on the edge of the chair. I want you to listen to me. Mother is dead, and I am responsible for Philip, and I tell you I would rather see him. She paused suddenly and turned to the children. Go downstairs, my dears, for a while and play in the sunlight. While the children were leaving, the professor mopped his forehead and compressed his lips. His heart was beating fast, and he looked as though he were about to be subjected to a heavy ordeal. "'I tell you,' resumed Isabel, pale and quivering, "'I would rather see Philip dead before me now, dear, innocent Philip, than put him before the public as an infant phenomenon.' "'So?' cried the professor, clasping his hands. Beads of sweat started upon his brow. "'Indeed, yes,' Isabel's head was lifted high. Her eyes were flashing. There was at the moment a touch of the mother's imperiousness in her demeanor. Ah, groaned the professor, throwing out his hands, and letting them fall helplessly. I understand not. Professor, if my little brother were to appear in public and were to succeed, he would be everybody's darling. Ladies would pet him and spoil him. He would be in the papers and fawned upon and flattered and caressed. Even if he were an angel, he would be spoiled. With you and me to take care of him? ventured the professor in a broken voice. 
with you and me and a dozen of the best to care for him answered isabel worst of all his life would be ruined for he would live in an inverted order an inverted order repeated hemmelstein an order inverted gasping he took off his glasses and blinked at them my dear isabel make me not such words i mean continued isabel that he would begin his life the wrong way as a child he would be earning his living and appearing in public he would be honoured and applauded instead of leading the quiet retired studious active healthy life which is the rightful heritage of children he would be before the footlights and up till late in the night and leading a life which would utterly unfit him for his duties as a man by the time he was grown up he would in all probability be utterly worthless utterly good for nothing but the voice the angel voice is the flower to blush unseen in the air of the desert isabel dear isabel think of the voice and the professor clasped his hands and gazed out of his spectacles which he had put on very much awry at the girl before him thus far the professor had been rising and falling back into his seat at short intervals now he stood up and kept that position for some time oh god he said raising his eyes and hands how i have loved that voice i have watched it and trained it i have thought of it by day and dreamed of it by night isabel you must give in i will introduce my great soprano to the american public and then i will be ready to die miss devereux noticed tears in isabel's eyes the professor was pleading as though for his own life no professor it cannot be i have thought of it over and over i owe it to my conscience and to my mother not to allow philip on the stage the professor sank back in the chair buried his face in his hands and groaned isabel he said after an awkward pause i am listening professor isabel i am an old man and my life has been one failure isabel put her handkerchief to her eyes miss devereux was deeply moved i have not long to live yes my life has been a failure it will be a failure unless the poor man paused then he rose again unless my little philip sing before the public isabel said nothing her sense of duty was struggling with her gentler feelings she loved the good old professor isabel he went on for two years have i trained that voice of heaven it has been the joy of my days and i have always dreamed to hear it in a great hall with many lights where the people are seated but not breathing for they wish to catch the every note of that angel voice hamelstein's voice was low and pleading every tone wrenched at the heartstrings of the two listeners miss devereux would have left the room but a gesture from isabel kept her where she was it has been my one dream and isabel it must come true the awful words were not lightly pronounced as the professor uttered them they might have been a prayer isabel do you hear me my dear professor said isabel her voice quivering tomorrow we leave for milwaukee the poor old man put his hand to his heart and sank back upon the chair he turned deadly pale and gasped does philip go too he asked presently yes isabel leave him with me i will answer for him with everything with my life ah dear professor why do you torture me who love you so 
you know how we all love you you know how grateful we are all to you for what you have done for philip none of us shall ever forget your kindness your pleasant visits your little remembrances the children adore you and yet you ask what i think is impossible i cannot god help me i cannot grant what you ask once more the professor rose advancing as he fell on his knees before isabel oh don't don't cried the girl turning her head away and burying her face in her hands this is too much isabel isabel never yet have i on my knees fallen except to god isabel on my knees i ask you once just once only once let me have my little boy to appear in public let him stay here with me and i will bring him on myself will you will you get up dear friend said isabel catching his hands in hers you are giving me a bitter bitter hour say yes implored the professor still on his knees if i could oh if i could but i cannot with a muffled cry the old man rose from his knees threw his hands wildly into the air and rushed from the room isabel i never had to go through anything like that in my life i never imagined you could be so strong you were as firm why my dear what's the matter isabel had grown deadly pale and was tottering miss Devereux caught her or she would have fallen are you ill dear but isabel clinging to the nurse made no reply for she could not speak end of chapter six